Hello everyone. So as promised, I'm here with Temi Canson. Uh, so welcome Temi. Let's just clap for Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate this, Louise. Well, I mean, it's it's an honour to have you with us. I remember we first met at a women's event and we were yes. both speaking. I can't remember when this was. This was maybe a couple of years ago, I think. Yes. And so it's just been great to know you in business and really just be inspired by that result that you have. So please just, just share with us, you know, what led you to start GT Scholars and Global Female Founders as well. So thank you very much, Louise, for having me. I will first of all start with the story behind GT Scholars. So GT Scholars started out of my personal experience of working in schools. My background was in engineering. I started off my career as a civil engineer. I later on worked in investment banking for a very short while and then I decided to train as a teacher. So I went off to the University of Cambridge and I trained in mathematics education and I taught as I taught te- uh, I taught I taught mathematics in state schools for about 6 years. It was towards the end of my teaching career that I started to think about other ways I could work with young people. I realised that lots of the young people I was working with, they were really ambitious, they wanted to do well, but they didn't necessarily have the sort of support they needed just to get them to the exact place they needed to be. Okay. So I started GT Scholars because I could see that there was a real gap there for something that could give young people the sort of mentors they needed, the sort of guidance they needed, just so they can see what else is out there for them and how to reach their aspirations. So, yeah, that's the background for GT Scholars, the short version. (laughs) That's awesome. And GT Scholars is really an amazing social enterprise. And I actually volunteered for GT Scholars myself (laughs) for a, a young secondary school student and if anyone would like to get involved, then please do visit gtscholars.org. But Temi also started Global Female Founders, a mastermind group. Please tell us a bit about that. What led you to start that as well? Yeah, so Global Female Founders started again out of my own personal experience. I was running GT Scholars. I was working as hard as I could to set up a social enterprise and not for profit. I found that the process of setting that up was quite challenging and I would come across quite a lot of obstacles. In the process of setting that up, I realised that one of the key things that was missing was that I didn't necessarily have a support group, a consistent support group around me. So there are lots of networking places that you can go to as an entrepreneur, lots of sort of programmes you can tap into, but there's no real sort of ongoing support group that I know of anyway, one that meets really regularly and meets to solve problems. So the mastermind started actually, um, Louise, you were one of the first people that joined my mastermind when I used to do it live. And the idea behind that was just to create a system where ladies, women in business could bring up their challenges in a safe environment and have a support system where each person in the group would be able to give feedback and give ideas on how to move forward with their business. So that, again, is really exciting for me. It's quite a new project. So GT Scholars is still running and I still still run that. But Global Female Founders is a really sort of personal project to me because it means that lots more women can move forward with their business through having a mastermind support group. That is awesome. And we're going to be sharing some details on how you can connect with everything Temi is doing at the end. But for now, we're going to be learning about a time where 
it's hard to believe, but Temi almost felt like giving up. Um, so Temi, you know, please do share with us some of your experiences in rejection so far in your journey and maybe some experiences where you've made some mistakes or even potentially failed at something. So I think one of my first real rejections running the social enterprise was with a funding opportunity that came up so in my very sort of I think it may have been my second or third year of running the social enterprise probably the second I was moving along relatively slowly um, but working really hard and as you do in any business you sometimes question yourself you sometimes have doubts you know am I doing the right thing is this really going to work should I really be doing this maybe I should just stick to a job stick with what works but yeah I was I was quite determined to make it work and I'd come across a few funding opportunities I'd, I'd had a bit of funding here and there but it was really sort of little pots of funding nothing to sort of move me forward to where I needed to be I'd had the opportunity to be on a program of support as well where I'd had a mentor so I felt that on some level I was in the right place so a larger pot of funding came up and I was quite excited about getting on that and that involved sort of writing an application and doing a pitch and you know I put everything in you know how it is you put everything you can into an application thinking right this is the one this is going to take me to the next level and that pot of funding was? It was, it doesn't, probably doesn't sound that much to everyone, but it was about £15,000. Um, so it wasn't one of the bigger ones that we got. But for me, it would have made a big difference at the time. And it would have meant that we could run our first sort of real full on programme, at least as a pilot. So so it felt like something, it was a, definitely in my mind anyway, for where we were, considering how small we were, it would have been a, a, a game changer for that period. So we filled in the application, put all my effort in, and I got the call to come in for the interview. And so you can imagine I was so excited and I thought, you know, I've, I've gone past the first stage, there's only one more stage and it's a pitch. So of course I spent, you know, all night probably preparing for that, spent weeks putting my pitch together. And I, I, I felt like I was in a really sort of strong position considering that they said that they were looking for relatively new innovative pro projects. And I felt that, you know, I, I seem to tick all those boxes, so I should be fine. So I got there, <laughs> sat in front of about three people, did my presentation. Then I had the time opportunity to sit down for them to kind of grill me and ask their questions and I did expect the grilling but what I didn't expect was what was involved in the grilling so they the feedback they gave was great presentation and they said your application was really good but they asked who helped you with your application <laughs> and I said I did it myself I put a lot of effort into it I you know I'd done lots of research I'd done a few courses as well on on writing funding applications so I felt like I, you know it was a strong application so they asked how did you how were you able to do such a strong application and then they said that they felt that it was quite brave of me to start a social enterprise and they proceeded to tell me that they feel that I should shouldn't quite be doing it the way I'm doing it and they went on and told me all the different things I should be doing for example maybe I should give careers advice in schools and maybe I should stop running it the way I'm running it and go back to teaching and start running training courses for teachers and maybe I and they went on and on with all these different ideas of what I should be doing instead of what I was doing 
So, of course, I kind of tried to get more feedback, as you do at the time, thinking, look, I need to know what what they think about my project, the one I've put forward. And the long and short of it was that they just didn't think it was going to work. And I don't think they said it in a way of, I don't think it's going to work. They just said, it's not going to work. <laughs> I'm laughing now, but it was not funny at the time, because... Yeah, you know, you've put all your heart and soul into this thing. I've been working on it for about two years. I felt that, you know, I've given up quite a lot of things for it. To mention, you know, I've got a family. <laughs> I've given up my job in teaching. I put everything into this project. And then, you know, I've got three experts in front of me, and they're meant to be experts, telling me that your, your idea is pretty rubbish. It's just not going to work. They said that parents don't want this sort of thing. Young people don't want this sort of thing. Funders will never fund this thing. And they went on and on and on. And they would not stop. <laughs> you know, in terms of people who you perceive as experts, you know, they know what they're talking about. And they're telling you not only to, that your idea might not work, but you should go back to what you were doing yeah. before. I mean, that can Absolutely. be difficult to stomach. Absolutely. And I, I, rem I remember at the time kind of trying to put a, a, a smile on my face to survive that period, you know, trying to look as if this is not affecting me in any way. I shall survive. And then I remember saying to them, so what what can I do going forward? Because I really wanted something to work with to help the social enterprise. That's the way I wanted to do it. I wanted some information that they could give me that would make the social enterprise move forward. You know, what could I change about it? And the more I questioned them, the more I realized that they didn't want me to change the social enterprise. They just felt that I shouldn't be running it. They felt that I wasn't the right person to run it. And I even asked them, I said, so, you know, what, what sort of things do you think one would need to run this? And they kept going on about how they just didn't think the social enterprise would work and there was no demand for it. And I remember they said something. They said to me, you're so brave, Temi, you're so brave. And I just thought... What does that mean? So I asked them again. I said, what do you mean by brave? And they said it again and again. It's really brave of you, you know, in an almost condescending manner. And so I walked out of that interview knowing fully well I wasn't going to get the funding, but also thinking, why did they invite me to this stage? You know, why did they want to meet me if they knew that the idea was so rubbish. I mean, I'd written the idea for them on a sheet of paper and it seemed to be fine on paper, but why is it that once they met me, it just wasn't okay for them? Oh, yes. <laughs> it's not very nice trying to remember that, but yes, that did happen. <laughs> so I guess um, what happened after that was uh, once leaving the room, I remember sort of leaving, kind of feeling like this is this this is it basically i've stood in front of the experts i've given my pitch i felt that you know what is the point i've just stood up in front of you know three experts given a pitch sat down and been grilled by them and effectively been told that my idea is rubbish i don't have the skills to do this this won't move forward there's no demand so i've i've basically wasted two years running something or trying to build something that's never going to work so I just remember feeling very very sort of you know deflated by the whole experience and I genuinely felt like giving up I just thought this 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 is pretty much it this this is it I I, I think I know I now know that I've been wasting my time so I remember calling one of the people that looked through my funding application just before I submitted it and sort of telling her I need to meet with her and we just met up and I just explained to her everything that had just happened and I remember her just saying you know what 
yes, they might be experts, but at the end of the day, you know, all the things they said, it wasn't necessarily called for. And if you think about it, if they think that you should be go doing something in a particular area, that's their opinion. It's It doesn't mean that that's what you should be doing. And at the end of the day, you know, you've, you've made the career change. You've decided to run a social enterprise. You know, it's a great thing to do. Maybe it doesn't fit their funding, but it's not for them to then tell you that they that your idea is rubbish. Meeting up with a friend didn't necessarily make everything go away. And I still had that sense of, you know, I've been I've been rejected by experts. So from there, I remember just going through a period of about a week or so, just kind of feeling like this is, you know, am I doing the right thing? Should I have done this? You know, really feeling as if I've wasted a lot of time. And I guess what got me out of it is that I started to think about what actually happened in that conversation, what actually happened in that room that day. And it occurred to me that they weren't criticising the project per se. Yes, they felt it wasn't a great idea and that was their opinion, but they didn't have all the evidence. They hadn't seen the young people who'd moved forward through the project and their aim in life <laughs> or their ambitions in life had nothing to do with young people. Their funders, they just wanted to give money to a project. They didn't necessarily know the young people. They hadn't worked in schools for six years. They hadn't seen what I'd seen. They hadn't met the parents who were signing up to our programs. They hadn't seen the feedback from our parents. We had the demand. That wasn't the issue. So it was really interesting to think that the experts sat there telling me that this wasn't going to work. But actually, I had all the evidence already that it was going to work. So it just really highlights the importance of putting opinions in context, you know, absolutely. Who, who shares their perspective, whether they're an expert or not, they're still going to be coming with their experiences, influencing their opinions, their ideas, their own agenda at times. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we really need to be able to dissect, okay, to what can I actually take and what should I just leave behind? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, and looking back at that now, those funders had never worked in schools before. They hadn't met young people. They hadn't had the same experiences I had. All they knew about young people was based on the research they'd seen. So they were really good at researching. They were really good at data gathering. They were really good at looking at data and numbers. But you were but on the front line. I'm on the front line. I meet these kids. I meet the parents. I see what happens to ambitious kids and how they change from coming into school at year seven, feeling, yay, I'm excited about school, to leaving with maybe not that great grades when they really could have achieved those grades if they'd had the support in place. And I'd met the kids who had moved from, you know, a D grade to an A grade within a year of being on the program. So who were they to tell me that this wasn't going to work? So when I look at it now, I remember feeling so down at that time. But what really got me out of it was just for me to actually look back at what did I know for sure, rather than what did they tell me? So what I knew for sure was true. And what they told me was their opinion. And that's very different. That's powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how do you get to a point where you can know what you know is true? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So I think the way I'm explaining it is kind of interesting because obviously I'm now 
looking at back at it so it sounds like I was so super confident at the time but I promise you I was not confident at all I had a lot of questions around what I was doing but actually what made me feel more confident over time was seeing the results and the impact and that is so powerful so asking for feedback from the people you are delivering a service to is so important that information they give you yes we know for marketing it looks great but actually it reminds you that what you're doing is worth it so all those hours the time the effort the stress trying to put everything together trying to make everything work that feedback loop the feedback that comes from the people that are using your service that are using that time and effort that you're putting in when they come back and tell you that it's working that it's great for them and they love it and they want more that's how you know and those are the people you should be listening to so for me that was the key thing it was looking back at the people who were using the service rather than looking at funders who were basically looking at data and research and things like that, which is useful in its own way, but not necessarily in the way that works for me. Absolutely. And, you know, the capturing of that feedback that you mentioned is so important. I think something that is incredibly invaluable to be able to hear firsthand from the people that are receiving your service or your product. And I think it should be incorporated into every single process uh, that we have in business. I absolutely agree. So one of the things we do is we are continually asking our young people for feedback. We are checking on how they find things, uh, what they're enjoying, the things that they want to change. We ask the same of parents. We ask the same of our volunteers. It's so important to us that we are continually improving. And for some people, you think, oh, feedback great as a marketing tool but actually for us it gives us a smile you know when we look at the feedback it makes us go great coming into work is worth it what we're doing is worth it so incorporating feedback into every part of your business or your enterprise is so important i absolutely agree so thank you so much for being with us today we've learned from your experiences which weren't so great but you know what we've learned a lot we've learned about the importance of conviction so just a huge thank you let's just clap thank you thank you very much Louise. and to find out more about temi just go to temicamson.com okay it's been amazing having you but before we go i just want to share a quote from jk rowling the knowledge that you have emerged wiser and stronger from setbacks means that you are, ever after, secure in your ability to survive. You will never truly know yourself or the strength of your relationships until both have been tested by adversity. Such knowledge is a true gift. Until next time.